Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, bringing you an expanding library of education with even more ways to sharpen your trading skills. Access new online courses, insightful webcasts, articles, engaging videos, and more, all curated just for traders. Plus, guided learning paths with content designed to fit your unique interests. No sifting to find exactly what you need so you can spend your time learning to trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. Breaking news here. The former President Trump, he has been ordered to pay $364 million for fraud in a New York civil trial. The former president also barred from running his New York company for three years. His sons have been barred from serving as New York executives for two years. And the defendants of the case have lost on all claims in that New York civil fraud trial. Let's now bring in Bloomberg News reporter Greg Farrell, who joins us on the phone, and also Bloomberg News legal analyst June Grasso. Greg, I do want to start with you. Um, was this was this verdict widely expected, especially that three hundred sixty-four million dollar figure? Uh, in general, yes. Okay. Given that the uh, the judge had found in favor of the AG a couple of months ago before the actual trial, um, and some of the comments and observations that he made. Uh, you know, leading up to it, it was clear that it was going to hit them fairly hard. And uh, what do you make of the, um, the like the put the scale in the, of the defeat on this for us for Trump? Because as, as we know, the president is uh, former president, excuse me, has moved much of his life to Florida at this point. So does yeah. it matter that but the state of yeah, go ahead. A, um, uh, the AG was seeking a lifetime ban. Uh, he only got three years. So that actually went in his favor. Okay. And his sons, they sought a five-year ban against running or being an office for a company in New York, only two years. So that was re- relatively light on that front. However, the businesses, I, it's not just as easy as, you know, tearing up the paperwork and then reconstitu- you know, filing to establish the same businesses in Florida. Um, that's a, uh, something that has not been resolved yet, is whether or not Trump will have to, as the business certificates will be canceled, whether or not these properties will have to go into liquidation. So that's not clear from today's ruling. That's, that's a big, you know, to, to be determined. Okay, well, I want to bring in Bloomberg News legal analyst June Grasso, who's got a thick stack of paper covering the keyboard right now. And I know she's made her way through quite a bit of it. June, what are you learning? I have not made my way through quite a bit of it. I oh, just I went to the back. Okay. <laughs> I went to the back to look okay. at what he actually what he actually ordered. And so what you know, are you finding? What what Greg said is absolutely true. What I think the worst that could have happened is what they call the corporate death penalty, which didn't happen here. So, mm. as Greg said, you know. 
he he is not allowed to do business for three years, his sons for two. And I think I'm looking for the part that I found interesting. Now, there is a ju- there's already a judge in place as an independent monitor. That judge is going to continue as an independent monitor. And also, the, the court is ordering an independent director of compliance be installed at the Trump organization, who shall be responsible for ensuring good financial and accounting practices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the court mentioned that um, there was an appeal. Trump was making a, an appeal from some of his findings uh, about the license of the company. And he said that, um, you know, I'm, I can't find it right now. To be fair, <laughs> I just want to paint the picture for everybody listening right now. Literally a stack of what, June? It's, tr- it's 90, 90 pages 90 on the desk. Pages? 92 like pages. An 92. <laughs> 92, pages. not to Thank lie. You, it's only 92. So we, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed what both of you have been able to come up with at this point. Emily, take it away. What does this mean for the election? I'm really curious what if there's any implications um, on this results on yeah. election. No, I don't campaign. think so. I, I mean, this, unless he was going to, you know, use his own money for the election and this will stop mm. him from uh, doing that, there really is, is nothing in this having to do with the election. I mean, the cases that you have to look at for the election are more the criminal cases, one that's been set now for next month in New York, the hush money case. And of course, the case in D.C. that now the Supreme Court is deciding whether or not to put a, have a stay on that decision and so put a hold on that case while he appeals it. So, I mean, those are the ones that are really uh, have anything to do mm. with his. And it's not so much that it would stopped him from running it's just that people would be interested and perhaps it would matter to people if he is criminally convicted Mm -hmm. this i don't think you know so much matters to people they look at it and they think it's the trump organization right you know they look at it's it's about okay he overstated his his income okay and the and the attorney general said well you can't do that because that's a business records violation and you know you you have to disgorge the money that you got as a result of your lies about your net worth okay so i don't think people really Will, that will affect them I, as I, much. I, I understand that, June, and we've seen polling that, that sort of shows that the criminal cases are certainly more important. Greg, Greg Farrell, I want to bring you back in here, yeah. Bloomberg uh, News reporter Greg Farrell. Um, that said, everything that June said, I, I understand. At the same time, it costs a lot of money to run for president. Yes. And it costs and, a lot of right. And this is a $364 million fine here. Yes. Is this real money we're talking about? Like, Yes, it, this, is, this is real money. Like he's going to have to pay this. I mean... Uh, we like because we're so used to throwing the term billionaire around. Yeah, like everybody, mm. he has this un, unlimited pockets. But no, and my colleague Eric Car- Car- uh, Larson did an excellent article about three weeks ago, uh, pointing out like some of the dire fiscal straits. You know, in terms of cash, access to real cash that Trump has, um, he might have to liquidate some of his buildings. Uh, just to come up with this money. Uh, it's not like he has, like he's claimed that he has 400 million in cash available. But, you know, as we know, just because he claims it doesn't mean it's necessarily so. Um, he's so going to appeal right. this, it's though, Greg. Yeah, I, you, we have no doubt he's going to appeal it. Then he'll have to either put up the money plus 5% yes. or get a bond, yes. secure and, a bond. Uh, it's tough. Like, you know, good luck to him getting a bond. It's like, uh, <laughs> he's well known in that community. So, well, yeah, talk uh, a little bit about be- that, Greg, the, the challenge there. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, 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 just that, it, it's, you know, 
he'd be a difficult guy to go, uh, you know, to give a bond to. He just does not have a good reputation in that community. Uh, yes, he can appeal it, but you can't just use an appeal as an excuse to stop, you know, making a payment or put it off for several years. So as June pointed out, he'd have to post some of that money, uh, you know, a, a good chunk of it, I think, up front in escrow. And also, so, let's I not forget, he is appealing the $83 million E. Jean yes. Carroll verdict. So the same thing there. He'll have, and the last time, the last verdict, the $15 million, I think it was, the first Gene Carroll verdict, he put up the money himself. He put up the money himself. He put up that plus uh, 5%. June, do we know if, if the former president is very good at raising money? Yes. Very, very good at raising money. He's, in fact, used some of his legal challenges to raise money from supporters. Is yes, he allowed? It's been a big boom for his legal. It, it has been, yeah. Thank you, Greg. It has been. Is he allowed, June, to actually use that money to pay these fines? Do we know? No. I don't think oh, he's allowed to pay no, the fines with it. Okay, sorry, Greg, Greg go ahead. That. Right, he is not. Those are campaign, those are funds for, uh, like, he could pay for his legal representation, but he cannot pay, like, the damages or award. That's, like, off limits. What about like he, funding from, like, a super PAC, for example? Could that money go for this? No, I don't it think shouldn't. it can, think but but the thing is that it's all the super PAC stuff is very hazy, and things aren't enforced as much as they should be. So, but I don't think you can pay from a super PAC either. I mean, I guess Greg, what you can tell I'm I'm getting at is 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 Trump going to have to open up his wallet here? <laughs> yeah, yes, and I think so, uh, absolutely. And that's that's the real real pain here is the judge came up at the high end of what the AG asked for. I think she asked for three hundred and seventy million and he got like yeah, as you said, three hundred and sixty four. So what what's Trump's number one priority here? What is he doing in the next few hours and the next few days? Well, that's a good question. I think he's probably going to have a press conference at Mar-a-Lago. I think that's already been scheduled, Mm -hmm. and he's going to talk about this. What he will say, I think, is what he has been saying in the many press conferences that he held all during this New York Attorney General's trial. He's going to say that this is a witch hunt, that Letitia James has been after him. Letitia James campaigned on getting Trump. And also, he's going to say that the the people in this case, like the Deutsche Banks, the, the the lenders, had no complaint here. And in fact, they didn't. There weren't any you know, lenders testifying, oh, we feel really bad because we got swindled. So they said, well, we might have charged more. So he's going to say everyone was very happy. Trump is a brand. They were, it was, so it's going to be the same thing. I can't imagine anything different. Hey, um, Greg, I want to bring you back in here because one thing that keeps crossing my mind is the way that the, pres- the former president's sons were implicated in this as well, and that they have been actually banned as well from doing certain things. What do we know about the way that the Trump family is affected by uh, this ruling today? Well, uh, according to the the trial and the findings of fact, you know, the sons in particular, not only unlike Ivanka, who was severed from this um, and is not part of this in any way, the two sons were helping to run the business for many years until Trump became president. And then, in fact, were running the business on his behalf when he was president. And that's in particular where a couple of the charges involving insurance fraud came up that they signed off on and were actively involved in presenting numbers to the insurance companies that were not, you know, accurate. They were overstated. 
You know, here's I found the uh, part yeah, that uh, ahead, that Jerry. I it's it's about the prior cancellation of the business licenses, and the judge yes. writes that there was yes. a partial summary judgment, and the appellate division first department has stayed this relief, the cancellation of business li- licenses, pending the final disposition. He said, however, as going forward, there'll be a two-tiered oversight, the independent monitor and the independent director of compliance of major activities that could lead to fraud. Cancellation of the business license is no longer necessary. So he basically took that back. Hey, I just want to take a break and remind everyone where we are right now. If you're just now joining us, the former president, Donald Trump, and his real estate company suffered a major defeat in New York's civil fraud suit over his inflated asset valuations. This after a judge barred the former president from running any business in the state for three years and ordered the return of $364 million in illegal profits. That verdict Friday by Justice uh, by Justice Arthur Engron in Manhattan is a threat to Trump's real estate empire and is the latest legal setback as he campaigns to return to the White House. We should notice two eldest sons, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, were also found liable and barred from being officers of a company in New York for two years. I want to bring back Bloomberg News reporter Greg Farrell joining us on the phone. Also, we're joined by Bloomberg News legal analyst June Grasso here in the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studio. Uh, Greg, as we take a step back and think about all of the challenges that the former president faces legally, contextualize this one for us and and where this sort of falls on um, the uh, just just how how bad this is for him and his empire. Well, it's, it's very bad for his business empire. Okay. Um, uh, you know, and it's, it's more serious, I think, than a lot of us like presume because criminal is worse than civil, that the real danger to him was all these criminal cases. But mm. this is, you know, turning out to be far more damaging, I think, than uh, many of us realize, you know, both financially in terms of the public relations hit, in terms of the exposure of his business practices uh, being laid out in such you know, clear detail. And yes, we all knew about Donald Trump, you know, certainly by the time he became president and afterwards. But this is for all the world to see factual findings about the way he operated his business for, you know, it was only a a decade that came under review by the AG's office, but in fact, much longer. Greg, um, we heard your phone ringing. There's a lot going on back <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna let you go. Okay? Greg's phone is always ringing. I cannot thank with you enough. Sources, sources. Cannot thank you enough for joining us. That's Bloomberg News reporter Greg Farrell joining us on this breaking news this Friday afternoon. Still with the, with us is Bloomberg News legal analyst June Grasso. We're not letting her go quite yet. We're also gonna bring in Bloomberg politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano. Uh, who joins us. Jeannie, I want to I want to go to you for the politics part of this. Emily asked a great question a few minutes ago about the political effects of this. Um, does it matter uh, to President Trump supporters that this ruling has come down in this civil fraud trial? Yeah, I think the fair answer is we really don't know. The evidence we have so far is that on all of these indictments and trials, he has been fundraising. And as we all know from looking at the polls, his support has only grown. However, we are now getting, I mean, this is all uncharted territory politically, but now that we are seeing these verdicts come down, it is possible that this does negatively impact him even with his core supporters, because we don't have any test of this kind of thing in American history. We really don't know. We do have some polls which say that if he's convicted of a crime, that people will not vote for him for president. Um, We don't know if that extends to something, you know, civil like this. So (laughs) I don't really have a great answer for you on this, except to say, 
I can't imagine a world, and I hope I am not being Pollyannish, in which somebody being convicted mm. and indicted this much doesn't have a negative impact on their chances of being elected president. So I, I think a fair thing to say, this is not good news for him in any way, but especially politically, because it's not just this trial, but the cumulative effect of all of these trials, the criminal ones, which we know are just starting in a few weeks in New York and then continuing around the country to get the four criminal ones in. And of course, the civil ones are just the beginning. So I just have to add to this. Go ahead, my. Jim. So he went this week to, he's been going to a lot of these different court hearings as he, as he went when the judge, Judge Merchan said that the, set the trial date for his New York hush money payment trial for next month. So the, he went to one in Florida where it was an in-camera hearing. So it was just the defense team with the judge, Aileen Cannon, and he decided to go. And before that, he alerted everybody. He said, I'm back in court again. He sent out an, okay. uh, a text. I'm back in court again. I think he's doing well being back in court. I think he's but, campaigning from the, from the courthouse steps. He's convinced his supporters that this is all a witch hunt that, for example, classified documents. Right. Well, they didn't. They didn't go after Joe Biden for classified documents. Why are they going after me for classified uh, documents? Hello, special counsel's report last week. Yes, but, you know. We got I'm that just, on last Friday. Right, but I'm just saying, I think that he does very well because he campaigns okay. from the courthouse mm -hmm. and everyone picks up his the, the stuff that he says, whereas if he was on the road at a rally, everyone's not going to pick it up. But when he comes outside the courthouse and says, it's very unfair, you know, for example, when he did it this week, when Judge Merchant set that trial date, he said, this is not fair, this is not justice. So I think he does very well. If there's a criminal verdict, I think it might be different. But a civil verdict, this is really beyond most people, I think. Oh, he, he, he lied about how much money he made. I don't think most people see that as something that, as bad as a criminal conviction. Mm -hmm. Because it's I, hard to understand. First of all, it's hard to understand. It's I, about business records. Right. And I think perhaps people might, I've heard people say the same thing about um, the covering up the hush money paid to Stormy Daniels, for example. Like that, that, I think, you know, I've heard the comments that some people might find that one frivolous versus the actual criminal charges. Because also in that case, those are normally misdemeanors. And Alvin Bragg didn't want to bring a case with just misdemeanors. Uh. So he upped it to felonies by hooking it sort of to federal charges of election against election law. So, I mean, that's the problem with that case. It's not just Michael Cohen's going to testify because, you know, p the prosecutors are used to having witnesses with with problems testifying, but it's because of the legal theory behind it that that's a problem, I think, that case. Hey, Jeannie, come on in here and weigh in on what June said, the idea that the former president is energized by campaigning, in quotes, on the stairs of the courthouses versus being out there on the campaign trail. Do you agree with that? You know, I, I think he knows he needs the money to fund all these cases and he has been fundraising off of this. But I still go back to the fact 
that we are in a situation where people are going to have to make a choice if both Joe Biden and Donald Trump are the nominees between the two of them. Neither of them are beloved, certainly. But the reality is, is this race is going to be won or lost in the moderate, independent middle in six or seven swing states where the Bloomberg Morning Consult poll has been doing their research. And it is really difficult for me to imagine that this is a selling point that will help get Donald Trump more votes than he had in 2020 when he lost to Joe Biden. So, you know, in the short term, yes, he's going to try to fundraise off of it. He's going to try to make the best of a situation. But by no stretch of the imagination do I believe that this is a, you know, a ticket into the presidential nomination or the presidency itself. I mean, this is a man fighting for his life, his businesses and the future of his children in courts around the country in both civil and criminal cases. And I am hard pressed to believe that the American public in the end views this as a selling point and a jumping off to the presidency. That's why we heard Nikki Haley say today, and she's been screaming from the rooftops, that this man brings chaos. And people didn't want it in 2020, and I'm hard pressed to believe that they will want it or more of them will want it in 2024, which will put him over the top. So does it help his base and, and potentially, you know, get him the nomination? You know, maybe, but let's not forget that the nomination's likely gonna be wrapped up even before the trial starts in the Alvin Bragg case that you and June were just talking about. What does the Republican Party uh, make of this? What do you think, how are they going to come out and react to this news? You know, if history is any guide, they will support Donald Trump. The, mm. the statement we just heard from his lawyer about a witch hunt will probably be at the top of their lips. We, you know, this, the stunning thing is that besides Nikki Haley, very few Republicans in elected office have come out and, and said anything about this case in particular, except that Donald Trump is, is being victimized by the New York courts. So I suspect that will happen. And to Tim's point, I think you echo what we all feel is that this is exhausting. Nobody quite can keep track, even when you watch it daily, as to what case we're talking about when. And, you know, this is going to have an impact, a cumulative effect on him in the polls, if not in the short term, in the long term, because it is utterly chaotic, in Nikki Haley's words, and exhausting for voters. Uh, Jeannie, I have some uh, not so great news for you. November is still many months away <laughs> at this point. Oh, don't so. say it. <laughs> okay. Hey, really appreciate both of you joining us. That, of course, is uh, Bloomberg News legal analyst June Grasso here in our Bloomberg Interactive Brokers studio. Also with us this afternoon, Bloomberg politics contributor Jeannie Shan Zeno. We have with us right now one of the reporters who has been covering this trial, Patricia Hurtado, Bloomberg Manhattan Federal Courthouse and legal enterprise reporter joins us here in the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studio. Uh, Pat, good to see you. Thanks for coming in. I know there's a ton of news today. Um, this trial ended a while ago, right? It's been a, it's been some time that we've been waiting for this decision. Yeah, and we also suffered through 13 weeks of trial testimony, so it's been very long. It started in October, and it went for weeks and weeks and weeks, and they finished with testimony okay. in mid-December, and then the judge came, had everyone come back after Christmas holidays for closing arguments. 
We expected this was going to come out earlier, and then there was a wrinkle in the case where the judge found out that one of the witnesses proffered by Donald Trump, the former Trump Organization uh, financial officer, uh, Alan Weisselberg, uh, he understood that he was the, the DA was actually considering prosecuting him for, for um, perjury. I just want to bring a headline. Forgive me. You have not seen this yet. Uh, but the Trump fraud verdict exceeds $450 million with interest, this according to the attorney general. What's your response to that? Well, I mean, this is a penalty that's really uh, significant for Trump. He's always apparently it's affecting him in the pocketbook where it hurts the most for him. This is a lot of money. And it's a lot of <clears throat> money. Personally, he's on, on the hook for more than $350 million as well as his sons are going to have to pay. And well, the AG, the New York Attorney General, had sought a ban from working in New York State for 25 years, for, for life for him. It's three years, but the guy, you know, three years is three years. So it's all very significant. And with accrued penalties and, and, and all the extras added up, it's a lot of money. Where does it stand to in the context of other cases and other fines? Like, can you put this into context? How much money, you know, 450 million dollars with interest, the other um, 364 million dollars. How does that compare to other, um, you know, cases throughout history? Well, we just it's a pretty huge ruling for a family company that mm. is, you know, the guy prides himself as being this great billionaire who's been a su successful businessman who boasted when he was uh, testified that he has $400 million in cash. Now, I don't know whether that number was in the judge's mind when he, when he was trying to factor how much money to, to pen penalize Trump. Um, it's obviously significant as well. If you think that this comes on the heels, just a couple of weeks ago, we had the verdict against um, Donald Trump. He's been ordered by a Manhattan federal jury to pay, um, you know, $83.3 million in the E. Jean Carroll sexual assault mm -hmm. case and defamation case. This is all adding up, and, it's a pr and, and Trump obviously was very concerned about this case because he attended it a lot. Okay, a question that I'm getting over and over again from people who are watching, people who are listening is, they hear about big figures in cases all the time that end up not ultimately being paid because they go on appeal. We just had David Weston on with us who who said that, well, you, New York is unique in the sense that he actually does have to put up this money even if he appeals this. Talk to me about what happens moving forward and, and, and when the former president will actually have to pony up this, what, more than $400 million at this point. Well, what will happen in a process with appeal, he'll have to put up... A, he'll have to get a bond. Okay. It's almost like a bail bond thing, but it's a bond to basically ensure that the money gets put like in an escrow account so it'll get paid and it won't get frittered away. But what's interesting about some of those other verdicts that get reduced is those are damages verdicts. You know, uh. we think a jury says this person's gotten injured by $200 million in a car accident and it gets reduced down to maybe $30 million or $20 million. This is different because this is disgorgement. This is financial fines, the judges found that he improperly profited. So if you think about it, he sold that Ferry Point uh, golf course in the Bronx, made a substantial sum of money, hundreds of millions of dollars in profit. So that was one of the things they cited. He sold the, uh, the uh, old post office in Washington and made a, a substantial profit. The AG's arguing that had he not gotten these great terms and lied about his finances, he would have never gotten these great lending terms from lenders like Deutsche Bank. And then he would have never been able to buy it, mm. let alone be able to flip it over and make it into a luxury 
you know, uh, like the hotel industry. And that's what this is different about. It's not like a damages where a jury verdict gets reduced. This is a judge finding this is improper profits. To what extent is the ruling a victory for New York Attorney General Leticia James? Uh, it's a huge victory because, I mean, uh, having attended the trial, he was very angry with her. And every day he would come out that he attended the trial, he'd have a little mini press conference where he'd denounce her. He would say that she should be looking for migrants and not prosecuting, bringing this lawsuit. Um, and there were lots of um, mean exchanges, and there was no love lost, apparently. Um, it, it is a victory for someone who says that she wants to hold Trump responsible for what the fraud he, he, he did on the lenders and insurers. Okay, Pat, um, contextualize this for me, because... As of a few weeks ago, the president, the former president, excuse me, faced 91 felony charges in four separate cases. Uh, they range from conspiring to defraud the U.S. in his efforts to overturn the 2020 election, this one to falsify business records, and then also to cover up hush money paid to an adult film actress. So that's sort of the, the boilerplate, right? Contextualize this one for us and where that kind of falls in the other legal challenges that he faces. Well, many... Uh legal experts I've spoken to is, you know, if you think about Donald Trump and who he says he is, his whole foundation of his being and his resume is based as this um, basically five-star New York City developer who brings you these luxury, as his son called them, sexy buildings, you know, <laughs> Trump Tower and 40 Wall Street, these marquee properties that are, you know, he is the consummate New York real estate baron. And now he's had this huge, basically, takedown by the New York Attorney General. But yesterday, he's ordered to go to trial in March in five weeks on those 34 uh, counts of falsifying business records. And, you know, it's not been a particularly good week. And, and you can think of it that way. Um, many people who told me it says what Donald Trump really cares about is what's his bank account and what's in his wallet. And this is hitting him in the wallet. We talked a lot about what this means reputationally for Trump in terms of will he be able to um, you know, win the election with all of this news. But I'm curious from your perspective, legally, what does this mean? Is there any sort of ruling that would legally bar him from actually running for uh, president and actually taking office? Because all of these headlines, they don't seem to actually be like preventing him from running and potentially winning an election and then, you know, joining office. One thing you have to remember is as a if he gets wins re-election, mm -hmm. he could potentially pardon himself and basically dismiss those indictments, the federal indictments. So the three federal cases, the D.C. federal case, the Washington, um, in Washington, the, um, the Florida case. So he could dismiss those cases. Mm -hmm. The Manhattan DA's case that was the hush money case. He couldn't do that. So that still affects his freedom and his peril of possibly being convicted. And if he goes to trial, this trial could take about, apparently, could bring us a verdict in mid-May. Wow. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, and he could get convicted, some people said to me that it's a, he'd be a first-time offender and what a judge sentenced to prison. It's like one and a third to four years for each count, depending on what the judge hears. And then, you know, possibly Georgia, whatever happens in there in the Fulton County, Georgia case. But this is one of those cases he could never pardon himself because at state charges, you, you cannot, uh, mm. uh, there's no federal oversight. 
Pat, we have about 20 seconds. What's the next thing that you're watching? Well, uh, next thing I'm getting ready for the Trump hush money case. So, and we'll expect an appeal out of this ruling today. Okay, and what, what would dollar figures look like for the hush money case? Um, it's not a penalty. It would be, he could be convicted and go to prison. And that's in New York State? That's um, Manhattan okay. State Supreme. Okay. So you guys might call it for jury duty. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. And uh, you are going to be busy too. Yeah. So we really appreciate your time. You. Um, that is, of course, Patricia Hurtado, Bloomberg Manhattan Federal Courthouse and legal enterprise reporter joining us here. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.